Hey church, happy Easter. Today is what we call Resurrection Sunday or Easter Sunday. And over this period, we look at, I guess, Good Friday, we look at the sacrifice that Jesus made for each and every one of us. And today we look at the victory over death and sin and guilt and condemnation. And, uh, you know, but before we get into actually today's message, can I address those of us maybe? And I, I, I'm including myself and my family in this category of people. We've almost I guess we've left Good Friday, but we're not actually in terms of our lives and in term, terms of our experience right at this moment. We're not in Resurrection Sunday. It feels like we're in Groundhog Saturday. One of those days that just keeps repeating. You know, we've we've left the trauma maybe, but we've not stepped into the triumph. And in a moment, you know, I'd love to pray with us because it seems like we're just going over and over the same things and we're stuck in this experience. We're not quite ready to step into that triumph yet. It is Saturday for us. I do want to talk about the victory of, of, of Sunday uh, for all of us and how that how the cross affects our lives. But for many of us, as I say, we, are, we seem to be stuck in the Saturday. Things are moving so slowly that it's almost inconceivable that there's any change happening. So if you right at this moment can go, yeah, that's that's where I seem to be, whether it's due to COVID or, or relationships or finance or job, you haven't stepped out of the past and into the future. Can I pray with you as we enter into the word of God today? Father God, I pray for every single one of us that are in this tough season and it seems like, God, we have no control over the circumstances around us. Whatever we do, we just seem to be stuck in this place. God, I pray I pray you'll give us patience, but I also pray that that we will know that you are Lord, that you are our refuge, you are our strength. And God, you're the strong tower that we can run into. God, I pray that you will give us hope today, that you will show us your love for us today, right at this moment. And God, I pray as we get into your word that you will open hearts to who you are. And I pray particularly for those maybe that are watching that don't know you. God, that you will draw them to yourself. So those maybe that have, have walked away, God, that you will draw them back to yourself. In the name of Jesus, amen. Have you ever asked yourself the question, how did I arrive at being me? Just thinking about, you know, the ingredients that have gone into making me, me. Who am I today? How how come how come some people seem to have all the perfect ingredients? We've got a friend D and I called Jonas Jonas Myron. He's an incredible songwriter. In fact, we sing some of his songs in church at the moment. And uh, you may never have seen him, but he's one of those guys that seem to have all the right ingredients. I think I'm able to show you a picture here of Jonas. He's it's like he's flipping perfect. How did he how did all that stuff manage to go in and come out with that? And and the, the reality is he's not just an incredibly talented, good looking guy. He's also one of the nicest guys you'd ever want to meet. But then there's other others of us. And we look at that and we think. What happened to my ingredients? Because I seem to have come out like this picture here. 
And it's like someone's put self-raising flour in instead of plain flour, or they've mistaken they've mistaken the salt for sugar, and something hasn't written risen in my baked cake. And we we ask ourselves, how did I get to being me? You know, for many of us, we didn't plan on turning out the shape that we are right at this moment. See, all of our lives are shaped by many different things. It doesn't matter what background you come from, our lives are shaped by things. So what's shaped your life? Circumstances have. You know, I mentioned the words trauma and tragedy earlier, but there's trauma, tragedy and triumph, and they all shape our lives, our parents, to, to, to a greater or lesser extent, whether they've been great parents or not so great parents, they still shape our lives, our education, pain shapes our lives. So that's what has shaped our lives. But what, what is shaping your life right at this moment? Maybe it's COVID that's shaped your life and is shaping it in this, in this season. Your career, racism, family, gender inequality, friends, economy, disappointment, depression. You know, one of the things about depression is that we can get into the mindset of this is me. It always will be. And I want to ask you if that's you, have you given up hope? And I want to address maybe that aspect of your life today, not just about depression, but the lack of hope that we can have. So what has shaped your life? What is shaping your life? And what will shape your life? Maybe you feel that the shape of your life is the way it's always going to be. That's where you've been, that's who you are, this is who I am, and this is who I'm always going to be. When you look in the mirror of your life, what do you see? You know, there, there are points in my life when I've looked at it and gone, it wasn't meant to be this way. In fact, maybe, maybe I wasn't meant to be this way. Two of the greatest things that people in our world are searching for right at this moment, possibly more than ever, but certainly down through history, people have searched for identity. Who am I? Where have I come from? And purpose, where am I going? What am I, what am I placed on this earth for? And you, you can go through to you know the, the self-help bookshop in all the bookshops and you'll find just loads and loads, hundreds and hundreds of books written on purpose and identity and meaning. And I think that understanding where we are at Easter, understanding the cross, understanding the resurrection. And as, as John Ravichanda talked about on Friday, on Good Friday, understanding our part in that story as well gives us both a family, our identity, and it gives us meaning, a purpose for our lives. See, today, I believe, tells us that the shape of our lives, what we've arrived at, doesn't have to always be this way. The cross tells us that what happened in the past does not have to dictate our future because the cross should have dictated that Jesus was dead. But Resurrection Sunday, what we're celebrating today, tells us that there is hope. We want a life that is shaped by the cross. Philippians 2 three to eight. Let me let me read this passage of scripture. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, 
but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interest, but also to the interest of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who, being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on the cross. You see, a life that is shaped by the cross, we could call it a cruciform life. And a life that's shaped by the cross is about humility. And, you know, in our today and today in today and in our age right at this moment and and for a long time into history, we've actually counted and known humility as a virtue. But I don't know if you've ever thought about it this way. That's not always been the case. In ancient Greece and Rome, we read that humility was actually seen as a negative word denoting servitude. It was associated with defeat and the love of our own honour was prized. Pride was actually held as a virtue, not humility. And the the thinking on humility actually radically began to change in the first century. And it all changed around Jesus on the cross. When we look at it, the cross is a place of shame. It's not this nice little, you know, necklace that we wear, silver or gold necklace. The cross was a place of shame, a place of complete and utter degradation. The the cross actually caused problems in history. Either Jesus was wrong in what and going to the cross or what he did on the cross was to be esteemed. And so people had to rethink what was a virtue and what was a vice. And in the first century, after after Jesus was on the cross and we know about his resurrection and that began to be known, people had to rethink what was virtue and what was vice. So what did the cross do? The cross shaped history. Pride and power changed to humility and serving. It shaped the Bible. The Old Testament pointed towards the cross, what Jesus, when we read through the cross, there's so many different pictures of what Jesus was going to do. So the Old Testament pointed forward towards it. And the New Testament, which was written after the the death and resurrection of Jesus, pointed back towards it. So the cross shaped history. It shaped the Bible, but it also should shape and continue to shape us. The question is, are we, like it talks about in Philippians, willing to take on the attitude of a servant? And so the cross is a pivotal point, not just in our lives, but also actually in history. The cross is a symbol of defeat. It's a symbol of shame. It's a symbol of justice. It's a symbol of completion. You see, the cross should have been the end, shouldn't it? But it wasn't. The resurrection is what counts because Jesus is alive. The cross is empty and so is the tomb. The story continues. When we look at the cross, what do we see? When we look at the cross, it shows that our focus as followers of Christ should not be ourselves. 
And the more we become like Christ, the more we walk with him, the more we are discipled and we disciple others, the more we become like Christ, the more we look beyond ourselves. Jesus knew that his life was not his own. And our life is given in service to God to serve others. The cross shows us also that we are in right relationship with God. Therefore, we can take our eyes off ourselves and our selfie focused culture and live a life in service to others. Jesus talked about taking up your cross and following him. He actually said it twice. It was about justice being served. It was about love being shown. Many of us know that the cross, the crucifixion was a, a Roman form of execution. It's not a, it, it's not a glib saying of a Jewish man, take up your cross. You see, Jesus said that before, before he was even going to the cross, before people even knew he was going to die. And I wonder, I wonder what people thought when he said that, because Jesus, in reality, he wasn't just a nice man who told us to like people and get along with others. He said some really strange things and saying a Jewish man to say, saying a rabbi saying to his followers, take up your cross and follow me. Take up this Roman form of execution and follow me for us. You know, uh, as we are here, and I know we don't have capital punishment, but if you think about it in the US, take up your electric chair and follow me. Well, that, that's so strange. It just doesn't make sense. Yet Jesus said that twice. And I wonder what his followers thought. In Matthew 10, the first time he says it, Matthew 10, 38, 39, he was actually giving instructions to his disciples. He sort of saying to them, OK, go out when you go out. Only take one cloak and do this when you go into towns. If they accept you, just stay with one per person so you're not causing aggravation to a whole load of people and just giving them instructions on going out and preaching the word. And, and right at the end of it, he makes this strange comment. Take up your cross and follow me. If you lose your life, then you will gain it. And Jesus was saying that. And so what he's saying there, how, what for us, when we have a life that's shaped by the cross, it actually gives us purpose. Take up your cross, go out into the world around you and preach the good news. You know, last week I talked about and, and read that scripture, one of my favorite scriptures from 2 Corinthians 5, uh, 17 through to 21, about being Christ's ambassadors, about making his appeal or making an appeal on his behalf. And so we're doing that when we have a life that's shaped by a cross. It gives us purpose and meaning. But then in Matthew 16 as well, Jesus says it again, and he's, he's more predicting and, and announcing the fact that he is going to die. And so having a, a life shaped by others in both of these instances, sorry, a life shaped by the cross allows us to have purpose and meaning in giving ourselves in the service of others. Imagine every day, imagine being told that every day you have to pick up this symbol of death, this thing that's, gonna, that's going to, to, to kill you and carry it round with you. That's what Jesus was saying to people. Everyone could see that you're bound for death. Everyone can see that that person there is dead man walking. That's what they are. Everyone could see your lack of control and power over your own life. 
We like to think that we are our own people, don't we? That we are, you know, we're self-actualized and we have, we have control over our life. And but actually, carrying the symbol of death around with us shows other people that person doesn't have control. That person doesn't have power in their own lives, and that's what Jesus was saying. You see, the point of the cross, the point of what happened on Good Friday, was made on Resurrection Sunday. Because many thousands upon thousands of people were crucified. Many thousands of people died at the hands of Roman soldiers on the cross. So almost every Friday would have been a Good Friday type for some people. They were dying. They used to put them on crosses on the side of the road as a warning to other people. So it wasn't just about a death on the cross. It was about what that led to. And the Resurrection Sunday, the point of, of Good Friday was made on Resurrection Sunday because what it said was death could not shape Jesus. If the message of Jesus stopped at the cross, it was literally just another ordinary criminal's death. But today tells us the story didn't stop. The story continues. John 19, 30 is that I, I guess the last bit of Jesus on the cross. And it says, when he'd received his drink, Jesus said, it is finished. And with that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. At that moment, Friday finished. But let me remind you that Sunday is here. Luke 44 to 46 also says this. It was about noon and darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. For the, sun, for the sun stopped shining and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Jesus called out in a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. When he said this, he breathed his last. For the disciples, for many people around, for the soldiers, for Pilate, you know, you heard a bit of the different stories that, that John Ravichanda talked about, the different actors in that, in that account. And for many of them, that was it. It was over. It was finished. It was done. But Luke 24 goes on to say this. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee, the son of man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James and others with them who told this to the, the apostles. But they did not believe the women because their words seemed like nonsense. You see, Friday was finished, but Sunday was here. 
Jesus died so that we could have new life. The cross was there so that our lives could be shaped by not just death, but by the resurrection and the hope of new life in Jesus. That's the message of Easter. Did you realise? And I guess this is the, the thinking around the message today, the cruciform life. Did you realise that whatever has shaped your life, whatever has gone into shaping, whatever the good things, whatever the trauma, the tragedy and the triumph that has gone into shaping your life, that it is at the moment, whether you look at your life and say, I'm okay with this, or whether you look at your life and say, it wasn't meant to be like this, I wasn't meant to be like this, whatever has shaped your life, the cross tells us, this is the good news, this is the hope, the cross tells us that it can be reshaped. When you're thinking about maybe your depression or mental health or, or whatever other issues that you're struggling with at the moment, have you ever thought, I'm going to feel like this or be scarred by this for the rest of my life? This is never going to change. I can't change. Maybe that's the place that you're in at the moment. Whether you're a follower of Christ or not, you're thinking that's it for me. The cross tells us that things can be reshaped. In the Old Testament, there's a, there's a book called Jeremiah. And this guy, Jeremiah, he's a prophet and he went through some stuff, I tell you. And he argued with God and he wrote some stuff down about it, back and forth with God. And, and, and there was, you know, he just cried out to God at different times. And he says this in Jeremiah 18, verse three, he says, So I went down to the potter's house and I saw him working at the wheel. But the pot he was shaping from the clay was marred in his hands. So the potter formed it into another pot, shaping it as it seemed best to him. See, Jeremiah at that moment realized that the things that had gone into his life, even though it may seem like it broken, misshapen life, could actually be reshapen by the potter. The clay is what the potter remolds. So whatever is shaping your life, whatever you take to the cross, when you take it to the cross, it can be reshaped into what the potter sees best. When you look at the cross and see the price that Jesus paid for you, the love that he showed for you, the justice that he paid so that he could bring you into relationship with him. When you look at the cross, it will shape your life, his love his grace, his forgiveness. It's all seen, his justice, all of this is seen on the cross. And as we allow it, the cross will reshape our lives. See, a cruciform life is a life that is being shaped by the cross. And if you are a follower of Christ, right at this moment, that's what you should be allowing to shape your life. Maybe you're, you're, you're here and you're watching this and you've never heard a message like this. You've never understood what Easter is about, but you can allow the cross, Jesus's death and his resurrection to reshape your life. The cross in all its justice, in all its love, in all its humility, in all its victory, in all its mission can reshape your life. Cruciform life means that we are brought back into relationship, that we have identity. The Bible in the New Testament, particularly Paul, the apostle, uses this phrase in Christ. 
And he's talking about us being in relationship, us in Christ and Christ in us, giving us identity. But it also gives us purpose and meaning. It's not about us anymore. We take on the nature of Jesus. We become, our lives become committed, given over to service of others. Our life is given to mission. Missio Dei is one of the phrases that's been used down through history. And it just simply means the mission of God, the sending out to do his will, his bidding, his purpose. That mission hasn't changed. He wants to bring mankind back into relationship with him. So our purpose is to play our part in that, like I was talking about last week. When we see the cross, when we reflect on the cross, we have to ask ourselves, does it reflect in our lives? The cross is a place where the broken are made whole. The proud are brought to their knees. The rich realize their poverty and the poor are made rich. You see, the cross turns everything upside down. It turned pride from being a virtue to a vice and it turned humility from being a, a vice to a virtue. And the Good Friday cross leads to the resurrection, to the victory of Resurrection Sunday. When we live a cruciform life, it's defined not by death, the symbol of death. It's actually defined by victory because the cross is empty. The grave is empty. And we know that whatever happens on Friday, maybe we're stuck in Saturday, but Sunday is coming. And whatever has shaped your past does not have to shape your future. Resurrection Sunday literally changed the future of civilization. What makes you think it cannot change yours? In a few minutes, the team are going to lead us in another song. And that song is a simple song called Hope Lives. I want to read just a couple of lines from that song. You took our sin and shame and left it in the grave. Now hope lives in Jesus' name. Incredible words. Good Friday and Resurrection Sunday can deal with your past and shape your future. Let me pray. Father God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for today and the reminder of the victory that you brought for our salvation, our, our being brought back into relationship so that we could have identity with you, so that we could have purpose through you. God, I pray for those of us who are followers of Christ. I pray that we would never just take Easter as yet another holiday or yet another thing that's in the Christian calendar. God, I pray that the Good Friday and Resurrection Sunday will year upon year bring us back to that place to remind us that you've shaped civilization and you can shape our lives. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Before we finish. I'd love to say a prayer with one or two groups of people. And those, those are the people maybe that you've, you've never made a decision to follow Jesus. You've never allowed the cross, allowed Jesus to shape your life. But I want to invite you and maybe even set a challenge to step into this new life, to find purpose, to find meaning, to find identity, to find family, to find forgiveness. There's so much 
You see, the world outside will often define Christianity about by the things that we don't do. And actually, Christianity is defined by who we are in Christ. We find our place in Christ. And I want to invite you to say a prayer with me in a moment. And you're, maybe you've never said a prayer like this before. You've never heard an invitation like this before. But you know, right as I'm speaking, that I'm speaking to you. Maybe your heart's beating, beating faster and you're having that argument with yourself. You say, no, I don't know that I can do that. But God is continually reaching out to you and saying, yeah, I'm calling to you. Or maybe you're in a group of people where you've walked away. You've been in that, you've been in the family, you've been in that relationship and you've allowed your life to be shaped by the cross. But for some reason, whether it's time or circumstances, maybe it's hurt, bitterness, you've gone away. You've allowed the things of life to take you away. And God, again, is calling out to you, say, come home, come home, come back to me. Come back to that place of relationship and forgiveness and grace and love. And maybe you're a young person and you've grown up like me in a Christian home and you've lived under the, the umbrella of your parents' faith. But God is speaking to you right at this moment saying, hey, it's you that I want, not just your family. I want a relationship with you. And I'd love to pray with you. I'd love to have the privilege of saying a prayer with you and leading you to that point of stepping across the line. And so if you're in any of those groups and you're ready to say yes to Jesus, I'd love us all, wherever we are in our living rooms, maybe even in a coffee shop, I don't know. Just bow your heads for a couple of moments. And I want to say this prayer with you and then I'll, I'll let you know what you can do after that. So let's pray. Dear God, I come to you now and I give you my life. I thank you for Resurrection Sunday today, where you have reached out to me and brought me into your family. I ask for forgiveness of my sin. I ask for you to come into my life. I ask for your cross to shape my life and reshape my life. God, thank you for this family. Thank you for what you're doing in me right at this moment. Amen. You know, if you've made that decision, whether whether it's, uh, you know, on, on the chat, you'll see uh, I raise my hand. I want to come home to Jesus. I'd love you to press it. But whether you've done that or whether you've just said that prayer quietly in your heart and you're holding it within yourself, that's OK. But I want you to know that we are celebrating with you. There are people that have been praying for you. They probably don't even know your name, yet they've been praying for you. And they are celebrating that you've made that decision right now. But the reality is you've stepped out on a journey that's not a journey by yourself. It's a journey with a community. And we as Circle would love to, love to partner, bring you into our family, our local community. And so to do that, we just want to connect with you. First thing is we want to put a Bible in your hands, or sorry, a New Testament which is the, the, the accounts of Jesus and then the, how the church started and some of the, the core principles uh, of Christianity. And so we want to put one of those in your hand right now. And so if you're able to just click on the chat to say, yep, I raise my hand. And, and then what we'd love you to do, you have the opportunity to go through and speak to one of the team, maybe even give them your details so that we can give that. Or you can send an email and up on the chat, There'll be a, I think that the email address should come up in a moment or so and you can connect with one of the team in the church. And, and so you're joining a community and we want to help you on that journey. 
but there's some things that you probably need to do yourself as well. I would say go out and tell someone what you've done. Just say simply, hey, I prayed a prayer in this online church today. Not quite sure what I've done, but I knew it was the right thing. Tell them about what Jesus has done in your life because your story may make an incredible difference in someone else's. But then turn up next week. We are a community. I keep saying that word. We're a community and we do life together. And I know a lot of it is online at the moment. We're doing church online and and but very soon we'll start to we're starting to be coming back together and gathering and and uh, and meeting and all sorts of things. But there's lots of opportunity for you to connect in with a community of people and do this life together. And so I'm going to hand back to the team. We've got an incredible song that we want to sing together as, uh, as before we finish. So over to you, Darcy and the team.